Hey there, TV watchers. Bill Brio here, and you're listening to Brio TV, the podcast, the show where we talk to special guests about the constantly evolving world of television. This episode is brought to you by Super Channel, providing viewers with exceptional value and variety. CTV, which urges you to get into it this summer, and by Hollywood Suite, showcasing the best movies of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. My guest this episode is somebody I've been hoping to feature on Brio TV, the podcast, for quite a while now. It's been over 30 years since this North Vancouver native became a household name as Brandon Walsh on the serial drama of the 90s, Beverly Hills 90210. While still in his 20s, he started directing and producing on that same long-running series, which was executive produced by the legend himself, Aaron Spelling. He continued to pile up the credits and, as far as I'm concerned, went on to a couple of shows which should have lasted longer, including the CBS series Love Monkey, opposite another Canadian, Tom Cavanaugh, and Call Me Fitz, a four-season comedy about a used car salesman that was made for the now-defunct Canadian pay TV network. All this, and he still found time to play Santa Dude on the weirdest and funniest holiday show ever, Dave Foley's True Meaning of Christmas Specials. He can now be seen in the fifth season of one of the biggest scripted hits in Canadian television today, Private Eyes. Please welcome the one and only Mr. Jason Priestley. Congratulations on the fifth season of Private Eyes. Uh, I watched a couple episodes. Man, I loved it. The episode where you're running around Ontario Place at the end and jumping off the roof. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't be giving anything away, but um, that's a great episode. Oh, thank you. It, it just is packed with the action and fun. Uh, it, I really, really enjoyed it. So hats off to you. Uh, it it uh, must have been a lot of fun. But explain to me, Jason, how do you how do you pull a show, an action show like this together in the heat of a pandemic? You know, you're not just acting in it. You're directing episodes. I can't imagine it's it was very easy with all the safety protocols talk a little bit about making uh, season 5 through uh, covid conditions well it, you know it, it definitely uh, had its challenges um you know the protocols were such that uh that the workflow was uh was was slower than uh than in normal situations mm. um you know normally in a, in film and television production uh, you know, all the departments are on the floor uh, together all the time mm-hmm. uh, and working on top of each other. And, and, and we're able to get things done uh, quite quickly. Um, but uh, but part of the COVID protocols uh, meant that all of the departments had to be kept separated um, so they could only, uh, you know, you could only have one department on the floor at a time. Um, so it slowed down the workflow uh, quite substantially. Um, which made our which made our days uh, which made our days uh, uh, longer. Well, which made the which made the you know the amount of content that we could uh, shoot every day lesser. Um, it just it, it just slowed everything down. Um, but we were uh, but we were successful on our show. We didn't have any um, COVID outbreaks on our show. We had um, 
we had a, we had a couple of very isolated uh, incidences with COVID. You know, but none, none of them ever none of them ever got uh, to the to the floor of our of our show. Um, wow. So we we were we were very we felt very successful uh, in that way. Uh, you know, we never had to shut down. We never had uh, we never got close to being shut down. Nothing like that. So. Um, so it was, you know, it was, it definitely, it definitely, uh, it definitely had its challenges, but we were able to, uh, to overcome them. Well, good for you guys. Congratulations. Uh, my guest, of course, who I didn't introduce is Jason Priestley. We're great to, to talk to you, Jason, on the podcast. Uh, one of the most, uh, popular actors on both sides of the border for many years. And I've had the good pleasure to follow your career. Uh, and, uh, congratulations on this, the fifth. And uh, final season of Private Eyes, uh, you must be uh, have mixed feelings about it being the final season. I'm sure. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, yes, yeah. I did. Um, I was, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly uh, proud of this show and uh, love working on this show. Uh, and I, um, I was, um, I'm very sad to see the show come to an end. I was. Uh, very, very happy to continue uh, producing the show and uh, and working on the show. And uh, I think that uh, I think that all of us um, uh, who make this show on a daily basis felt the same way. Um, but um, you know, sometimes sometimes shows just come to an end, and uh, you know, uh, uh, and nobody really knows why. Uh, and right. I think that uh, that this uh, that this is just one of those instances. Yeah, I mean, this is a series that um, uh, basically, of course, also stars Cindy Sampson. Uh, Jason plays Matt Shade. And they're detectives. And um, it's um, it's always been a hit. And uh, I mean, I follow TV and ratings. Um, I'm astounded that uh, Global will place this show. It seems to fall out of the sky willy-nilly any time of the day or night year and it's always comes back to a million people or more uh i've never seen anything like that honestly that the resilience of private eyes in terms of scheduling is astounding to me so obviously you've really made a great connection with viewers across canada yeah thanks bill it, it, it's true we uh, we have had an incredible uh amount of um time slot inconsistency uh mm-hmm. during the run of our show it's uh, uh you know we one year we're on on sunday nights the next year we're on on wednesday nights and then we're right. on on thursdays at 10 o'clock and then they try us you know on tuesdays at eight like you know we've really been uh all over the map and yet uh our audience thank god for our fans because they always uh found our show no matter where we were on and uh, and and turned up and uh, and watched our show and loved our show. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know not only in Canada where where we've had the greatest fans, but also in America and and in 185 countries around the world. Like the show is uh, the show has traveled incredibly well and uh, and has become uh, you know a, 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 
you know, a, a beacon around the world, uh, not only for uh, not only for Canadian television, but uh, but for the city of Toronto. You know, we 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 really um, made it a point on the show to uh, to showcase uh, the city of Toronto and, and shoot Toronto for Toronto and and show off all the wonderful things that Toronto has to offer as a city. And uh, and I think that uh, I think that that we've been very successful in that. Yeah, you sure have. Toronto looks beautiful in the series. I, I, the episodes I just watched in particular, uh, just the that uh, vistas of all the, the towers downtown, Ontario Place I mentioned, but just the streetcars and subways, and it, you really captured the and, and used the city as a great character on the series. Uh, and you're right, it's in, like you say, 185 or six territories, Australia, all over the place. Uh, you must have seen your show translated in different languages and gotten a kick out of someone else putting uh, your words into their mouths. What's that like? Well, I, I, the only uh, language I've, I've seen Private Eyes uh, dubbed into is German, actually. Okay. Um, and it's, uh, it's, very, uh, it's very funny in German. Um, uh, yeah, well, I was, I was uh, lucky enough to be there. Uh, I went to Germany to... Uh, for the for the launch of the show over there and help them uh, get the show uh, off the ground over there and uh, and they they love the show in Germany uh, and uh, and I was I was able to to screen a couple of the episodes in a, actually in a movie theater oh, cool. uh, with an audience which was yeah. super fun and uh, yeah it was really <laughs> did, it was did, really really funny to to see that over there. Do you speak any German? Did you have to make a speech in German while you were there? Or? Uh, l- luckily, uh, I did not have to make a speech in German. <laughs> Um, very fortunate that, you know, you know, a lot of Europeans are, are a lot more, uh, uh, linguistically, uh, affable to, uh, right. to, to, to speaking English than, than we are, right. uh, speaking their languages, right? Like they are, yeah. they're, a lot of them are multilinguistic and, uh, and luckily for us, right? That sure helps. Uh, and we talked about how the show, you drop it anywhere, it, it performs at a high level. We'll be right back after this message. One of the hottest genres on TV today is the true crime docudrama. Earlier this year, Super Channel had great success with the documentary Catching a Serial Killer, Bruce MacArthur. As a result, they've just made a deal with the Canadian production house Breakthrough Entertainment to program five new unscripted true crime docuseries. The first of which is I Lived with a Killer, which comes to Super Channel Fuse starting June 25th. This weekly series doesn't just focus on the crime, but on the irreparable harm a killer imposes on their own families. Future titles in this series include Charm to Death, Cruise Ship Killers, and Sunshine Slangs. Try saying that five times fast. Don't miss the 20-episode series only on Super Channel. And we're back. Jason, you're a big hockey fan. If you were to pick a hockey, like it's, who's the hockey player that you could just drop into any situation and you could play defense forward and, and carry a team like this? What? Who am I looking for? Wow, who's a two-way player like that? Right. Um, uh, for, uh, let's go with, uh, who's a two-way player like that? Let's go with... Um, Bob Ga- Bob Gainey going way back, I guess. Uh, yeah, Bob Gainey. 
uh messier was a good two-way player like that for sure yeah 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 Yeah, that's that's the analogy um (laughs) now in this season uh of course uh when people this podcast airs we'll have already had the first episode back so there'll be a resolution to a cliffhanger uh but just explain for folks um uh, what what to, Cindy's character was was uh, shot in the cliffhanger from season four, and when we yeah. come back, uh, we learn that uh, she survived that shooting. Correct? Yes. Uh, uh, we come back into the uh, in the, in the hospital. Now, I I actually directed the uh, the last episode of season four, and I directed the first episode of uh, of season five. So I so we had a great a great continuity. Uh, there, even though the, the episodes were shot about eight or nine months uh, apart, um, which is unusual, Jason. Usually, when a, a, a lead actor is directing an episode, you'll do the first episode because you'll have had time to prep it. But yeah. to to direct the final one, that's a lot, right? Uh, how were you able to manage all that workload? Yeah, it it is a lot, and I, I you know, I'm I'm just. Uh, I've been doing it for so long, Bill, that I'm, I'm able to, to get all of my prep done, you know, during lunch hours and, and, you know, on the weekends and stuff like that. Like I, 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 I find that I, I find that I ultimately, I, I don't need that much prep time uh, wow. anymore just because and certainly on, on a show like this that I, that I know so well, and I know all the sets so well, and I know you know I I just don't need that much um, prep yeah, to be you, perfectly honest. You guys, you have a shorthand with the actors and crew and everybody, yeah. right? That's yeah, great, very, very much so. We talked so, so I've been I've been able to you know and, and all the way through the show I've been able to do episodes in the middle of the season or at the end of the season where I where I've, uh, I just haven't needed that much uh, prep, which has worked out really well for us. That's very unusual. Good for you. We've talked about this before. I love the story, though, that, uh, of course, uh, people first knew you uh, uh, from Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, and uh, during the run of that series, where you were very, very young, uh, Aaron Spelling, the legendary TV producer, um, gave you an opportunity to uh, direct your first episode. That's that's true, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Talk a, a little bit about that because well, you're barely out of your teens, weren't you? I mean, you were pretty young. Well, I was uh, I was 23 when he uh, when he allowed me to direct my first episode, and it was the end of the uh, third season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he gave me uh, he gave me this uh, this episode to direct, um, uh, and it was uh, and it was an episode. You know, it was sort of this this crazy episode where. Um, where you know a bunch of, a bunch of seniors were going to Magic Mountain and uh, and then and then in this other the other the sort of the B storyline was uh, was this this con artist came into the Peach Pit and uh, and uh, and and you know got Steve Sanders to like you know she she got she conned Steve into thinking that she was she uh, you know she she gave him this sob story about the fact that she worked for this guy and she had this she had this. Um, she had this group of, of, of people that had paid her money. Then she had to, she, she was supposed to like uh, uh, take them to meet a celebrity. And anyway, so Steve, Steve Sanders, like, you know, goes on this wild goose chase with her and all this crazy stuff happens. And anyway, I end, I end up with Burt Reynolds in the peach pit, uh, you know, and you know, Steve Sanders saves the day. 
And, and, you know, I'm this 23 year old first time director. Uh, uh, and, you know, and all of a sudden I've got Burt, Burt Reynolds in this stupid peach pit set that we had, you know, and I, and it was like, I Holy was so, um, I, I, I felt like, I, I felt, I felt like I, I, I just, I, I felt like, you know, here I've got the, you know, a guy who was the biggest movie star in the world yeah. in the late seventies and early eighties. And I brought, I brought him to, to, to a crappy warehouse in Van Nuys, <laughs> California, where, you know, where, you know, where we built this like dumb set to look like a fifties diner. And I was like, so at all of a sudden I realized that, that, that we we made this this goofy show and this you know and I just I was like hi hi Bert I'm Jason I'll be director this week and, <laughs> and he told me how to direct the scene and how to shoot him he was like hey look if I was you I'd do it this way and I'd do this with the camera and I was like okay Mr Reynolds okay that's pretty cool. cool I'll do that you yeah. know wow well, <laughs> it was goodness. really funny. Yeah, because you know, uh, from what I've heard, he, Burt Reynolds did not suffer fools, did he? Like you no. know, he was an intimidating guy, and uh, <laughs> so I'm glad that you guys hit it off. Um, that is exciting! Wow. Um, and um, what was it when you went to do this? Uh, you told me once about this, and if people don't know Aaron Spelling, he was a he was a wiry guy. He was he he of course created shows, uh, Love Boat, Charlie's Angels. Uh, I, I think the Dick Wolf of the uh, 80s, right? I mean, he just had everything on TV. Half the shows were, were made by Aaron Spelling. Yeah. So you told me, though, uh, he said, okay, you and basically you'd always been hounding everybody. How do the cameras work? You were you were the guy taking notes right from the start as an actor. Um, what was the, uh, the Spelling said, okay, you can direct, but he gave you some words of advice or, or <laughs> could you just please try to to uh, to tell that story because it's a funny one. Uh, yes, he well, Aaron, uh, when you know when he finally acquiesced to letting me uh, direct uh, uh, this episode, he, um, he you know he was basically handing over the keys to his Ferrari, right? Right. And he um, he pulls me aside. You know, we we had just gone through a meeting in his office, and everyone, everybody, all the executive producers from the show were walking out of his office, and he grabs me by the arm and he pulls me aside, and and I say, yeah, yeah, Mister Spelling, what is it? And he just looks me in the face and he says, don't fuck this up. I got this. Trust me. <laughs> That's awesome. Don't fuck this up. To be told that by Aaron Spelling. That's like getting elbowed by Gordy Howe, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, I got elbowed by Gordy Howe once, too. Did you really? Okay. Yeah, I did. Tell, tell me about that. What happened? Well, I was... Uh, you know, I, I played in this uh, celebrity all-star hockey team, and one of the first games I ever uh, played in on that on that team, we went to uh, we went to Detroit, and we were playing at Joe Louis Arena. And up, and all you know, all of a sudden I'm out there, and all of a sudden I find the, the puck's on my stick, and I'm and I'm coming down into the into Detroit's end, and there's Gordy Howe, and he's right in front of me, and I think, wow. oh, dude, this is cool, right? <laughs> and so I. And so me, you know, I'm like, you know, 22-year-old kid, right? I think I'm going to put a move on Gordy Howe, right? right. And, so I, and so I, like, put a little head fake on him. I go around to the outside, and I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And so I turn, and I look to see who's 
Ruth, you know, someone's coming in the, uh, on the inside. I can make a pass. And as I turn and look inside, all I see is this big red elbow. <laughs> it hits me right in the face. And as, wow. and, as, and as my feet leave the ice and I'm looking at the roof of Joe Louis Arena, all I can think is, dude, I just got elbowed by Gordy Howe. That is the most Canadian thing that can happen <laughs> to anyone. That is awesome. You're lucky you still have all your teeth. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Well, of course, uh, Matt Shade, he's an ex-hockey player on Private Eyes, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, usually you have some hockey folks on the show, but uh, this season you do have some uh, pretty cool guest stars. Uh, my goodness, the great uh, Rico Colantoni, for one. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy who can act, right? Yeah, we finally, we finally got Enrico on the yeah. show. You know, Rico's a guy who I've known uh, for a very long time. Um, so I was very excited to finally uh, have the opportunity to, to get him on the show. And, uh, and he was great in the episode uh, that, we, that we shot with him. He's, a, you know, he's an incredibly talented actor. Yeah. Um, lovely guy, he, too. He's a lovely, lovely, yeah, lovely yeah, guy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we felt incredibly lucky to have him. Um, we also had uh, uh, my old friend, who's, who's Majavi, uh, who, uh, you know, I worked with on uh, Call Me Fitz uh, right, for four right. seasons. He came and did an episode with us this year, which was super fun. We had um, a Juno Award-nominated uh, uh, recording artist, Royal Wood, um, did an episode of our show this year. So that was super fun. Um, we had Keisha Shante. Right, uh, from Entertainment Tonight Canada was, yeah. uh, was was back on our show this year. So we had we had a lot of great uh, a lot of great guest stars. Um, Ennis Esmer, Ennis Esmer came back um, uh, once again, and uh, you know he is a fan favorite and a and a set favorite. Uh, everybody loves Ennis. He is uh, he is super funny and a and a super nice, charming, fun guy to have around. And he knows where all the good Turkish restaurants are too, right? He's, uh... <laughs> Of course he does. <laughs> um, and he's the biggest Raptors fan. Is he? Oh, my God. He's wow. a huge Raptors fan. That's cool. We'll be right back after this message. I had to escape. The city was sticky and cruel. Maybe I should have called you first, but I was dying to get to Did you used to play with Lego bricks when you were a kid? Of course you did. Imagine you had an unlimited supply of Lego and somebody was going to award you tens of thousands of dollars for snapping together a brick version of the CN Tower or even a brick Stanley Cup. That's the deal with Lego Masters back for a second season Tuesday nights on CTV. Will Arnett is one of my favorite podcasters and check him out on Smartless with Jason Baseman and Sean Hayes. He's the host of Lego Masters. It's all part of a fun summer schedule on CTV. Besides Lego Masters, the network is also airing the Celebrity Dating Game on Mondays. It's hosted by Zooey Deschanel from New Girl and Michael Bolton from, well, the 90s. CTV is also bringing back the Extreme Obstacle Course series Wipeout in a whole new version, plus the $100,000 Pyramid with Michael Strahan as host. There's also the Brady Quiz series, Mental Samurai, featuring Rob Lowe. So follow the Lego brick road and get into it this summer on CTV. And we're back. Speaking of sports, uh, I'm very excited about this. You're going to be doing a project that I think is just fascinating. Uh, you're, there's uh, was announced... Uh, that there'll be a, uh, is it a TV movie about the life of uh, Harold Ballard, right? 
It, it's actually a documentary uh, that oh, I'm oh. doing for the CBC about oh. Ballard. Okay. Um, um, one of the great villains in the history of Canadian sports, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, remarkably, he is. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, before, you know, from, from the inception of the NHL until, until 1967, the Toronto Maple Leafs won 11 Stanley Cups. Um, Harold Ballard took ownership of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs in 1972. Uh, he owned them from 1972 to 1990. Um, and since he took ownership of the club, they have won exactly zero Stanley Cups. Yeah, I so know. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't take uh, a genius to figure out that um, maybe uh, it was his ownership had something has something to do with their continued um, lack of uh, Stanley Cup wins. Well, yeah, he wrecked everything when they had Lanny McDonald and Daryl Sittler and Paul Mateer. I mean, I suffered through those years, and they were close, you know. Ian Turnbull, those guys, and he just would not do anything to put them over the top. And, in fact, the opposite. He started wrecking that team and uh, uh, just uh, awful, awful dude. So uh, that, that must be a project. Was that something that you were involved in the creation of? Or where did you come in on that? Yeah, well, we're, we're actually uh, me and me and a, a writer named Chuck Tatham and a producer named Michael Geddes. We're actually uh, oh yeah, we're working on setting up a, a feature film about uh, Ballard, and and this documentary sort of grew out of uh, the development of that. Do you still skate? You still get in some hockey at all? Or anybody- I, I I try to, mm-hmm. uh, but it's uh, you know it's hard. It's hard. I'm uh, I'm on the road so much and. Um, traveling so much, it's difficult to find time to lace them up. But I, but I try to whenever I can. Everybody got benched during uh, the COVID uh, pandemic, right? It was you got that right. I've hung it up, uh, but uh, certainly um, it, it's a game that we all love. Jason, you know the last uh, year and a half been tough on everybody. Um, what was it like for you? I mean, you have a, a young family, a couple of kids. Uh, was there any silver lining to having a little more time off in the last year and a half? Uh, well, the, the silver lining uh, for me was just having the opportunity to spend more time with my with my kids uh, mm-hmm. while while they're still young enough to want to have anything to do with their old man. Right, <laughs> I get you because I I can sort of see the writings on the wall that uh, that those <laughs> years are uh, are are going to be in the rear view mirror pretty soon. Yeah. Um, so I'm, uh, so I, 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 I did feel very, uh, very blessed to, to have, uh, to have, you know, 18 months where I was uh, joined at the hip uh, with my kids. Yeah. Cause, uh, cause I, I don't think I'm going to get that opportunity again. Yeah. Just don't listen to the song cats in the cradle. That always wrecks everything. Oh God. No. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> it's too close to home. Um, let's just talk a bit about uh, the, the guest stars again, but just in the past, you've had some remarkable people in the five seasons of uh, private eyes. Of course, uh, William Shatner was one of the, the uh, big names that you had a couple of times. Was yeah. there any thought in trying to get him back uh, for a third or fourth visit, or uh, was his storyline pretty well wrapped up? He played it uh, sort of an, uh, a cranky sleuth on the show, right, an older dude? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, you know, we loved having Bill around. Bill mm-hmm. is fantastic. He's super fun and uh, very funny. And, uh, uh, yeah, we, we – we would we would love to have we would have loved to have Bill come back. We just you know we just ran out of real estate, right? And I think that I think had the show uh, gone on, I think we would have found a way to to have Bill come back because he was 
uh, you know, he's a, he, he's a Canadian treasure. Right. And I yeah. think that, um, I think having him, having him around was, uh, was certainly something that we all, uh, enjoyed. What, um, you know, you've had a chance to work with so many people, Jason, and, and as a actor and as a director, uh, were some of them uh, mentors along the way? Were, were there people that really, uh, especially when you were younger, helped you find, uh, the, you know, a shortcut to good performances, good direction? Um, yeah, yeah, yes. There, yeah, there, there, there were some, uh, some people that, that mentored me. Uh, Aaron Spelling was a, was a big mentor for me, actually. You know, I, I, you know, I worked for him as an actor. Uh, he, he taught me a lot about uh, directing. Um, but then I also I produced uh, 90210 with him and executive produced it with him for two years. Yeah. Uh, so he really taught me about uh, about producing and, and how to do that as well. He was a he was a great uh, he was not only a, 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 a mentor to me, but a friend uh, as well. And he, wow. he taught me a lot. Did um, you get to go to the house? I did. I went to the house a lot. Uh, pretty it, like a hundred rooms in the house. Oh my, oh my God. It was, it, <laughs> it was like nothing I'd ever seen, you know, for a kid from Lynn Valley, right. uh, you know, to, to walk into a, a, a place like that was, um, it was, it was like nothing I'd ever seen. It was, was there a bowling alley? Yeah. Yeah. He had a two lane, he had a two lane bowling alley wow. in the, in the basement. <laughs> it was unreal. Yeah. He loved to bowl. Oh, and, good for um, him. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say where's the hockey rink? You know, I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, there was there wasn't one of those. Unfortunately, that would have been fun. He's from Texas. You know, yeah. there's not a lot of hockey in Texas. No, I don't think so. But they, I heard they trucked ice in uh, now and then for Tory to have Christmas. Then they. Uh, that is true. Yeah, he could do that. <laughs> not bad. Pretty good dad. Um, so yeah, Aaron Spelling, of course. But was there a, a director in particular, anybody who uh, you worked with who directed you that you thought, "Wow, when I get the chance, I'm going to try and do it this way"? Uh, there, there, where there was uh, uh, one one man uh, early in my career that uh, that helped me a lot was James Whitmore Jr. Oh yeah, yeah, Jimmy, he, uh, Jim, Jimmy helped me a lot. And again, uh, was he an actor as well? Yeah, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy was uh, an actor uh, who then became a director later on. I worked with him. Uh, I worked with him back in the mid '80s on Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, uh, and then uh, and then when I landed on um, Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero, I you know I got Aaron to bring uh, Jimmy on Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero a few times. And wow, uh, yeah, he was uh, he was a wonderful, wonderful man and uh, a great uh, a great teacher and. Uh, he, uh, he taught me a lot. He taught me not a lot, not only as an actor, but as a director as well. He was, uh, Jimmy was, uh, was a great, a great, great friend and a great teacher as well. Is there a, a, an advantage, do you think, in, in having an acting background as a director? Uh, I, th- I think so, because I, I, I feel like um, if you have a background in acting, then the, you... You, you know, you, you speak the, you speak the language uh, of actors and I feel like actors uh, are more, are more, more readily trust you. Uh, and, and, and I, I feel like there's just a, a level of understanding and knowledge that, that goes back and forth between the actor and the director. If the, if the director was, was once an actor. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um well, uh, and how many episodes do we have for the final season? 
Uh, it's it's only eight episodes. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we we had to shoot a truncated season because of uh, because of COVID and all the protocols. Yeah, but, um, but they're but they're eight uh, very good episodes. Uh, we're all uh, we're all very proud of the of the season we were able to shoot this year. Well, you should be. It's, it really uh, rocks. I mean, right from the go, and the episodes I just watched are really entertaining. We'll be right back after this message. Hey, buckle up, movie fans, and get set for the hottest event of the summer. Yes, I'm talking about Hollywood Suites' Box Office Bonanza, a star-studded collection of number one films running straight through till the end of August. Highlights for me include one of the funniest movies ever made, Airplane, plus fun flicks such as Talladega Nights and The Naked Gun. Can't get enough sequels? All summer long, Hollywood Suites is showcasing Franchise Fridays. That's where you'll find Superman 1, 2, and 3, all three Men in Black movies, a couple of Rockies, Aliens, Matrixes, and Terminators, and even a pair of Kill Bills. Well, the sweet host is Sylvester Stallone week? Hey, absolutely. Starting in July, including one-offs such as Cliffhanger, Copland, and Demolition Man. Get all the box office bonanza details online at Hollywood Suite Summer 2021. Yo, Adrian, tell them Rocky sent you. And we're back. What was the deal with Ontario Place? Obviously, you have stunt doubles jumping off from high places. But uh, I, I, my first job, I was a busboy at Ontario Place when I was 15 and 16. And yeah. that is a, a jump that would kill you. I mean, that's a long way down. Yeah. Uh, were there stunt people who actually performed that? Uh, the the actual jump? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, everything else, Cindy and I, Cindy and I sort of like... You know, we're very reluctant to let our stunt people do anything. Like our stunt people come to set and just sit around and drink coffee most of the time. Because <laughs> Cindy and I are, no, no, I got this. No, I can do this. I got, you know, and, and we sort of play a, a game of, you know, brinksmanship with each other because we're waiting for the other one to call for their stunt man to come in. Yeah. And, you know, but when it came to doing that, uh, that big high jump off of Ontario on, on terrible place, <laughs> we're calling it, um, that, that was, that was one time when we were both like, yeah, you guys could, you guys got this. You, you can do this one. Cause right. it was freezing cold that night too. Oh, and yeah. neither one of us wanted to end up in the lake. That's a long way down. Forget oh, it. Man, it was, yeah, it was, it was legit. Yeah. No it was kidding. A big jump. Um, is that your Porsche that Matt uh, sh- drives on the show? Is that? Uh... Uh, no, no, that's not my Porsche. That's okay. uh, that's a that's a set. That's that's our that's our that's Matt Shade's car. That's a you know it's a set car. But you're always ready to handle the driving scenes. I assume. Uh, absolutely, I do yeah. them all. Yeah, talk a bit about Cindy because the chemistry between the two of you is fantastic. Of course, this season there's a real will they or won't they uh, storyline that's brewing. Uh, There's always been something between these two, and the two of them seem uh, after the uh, cliffhanger from season four, they seem to be more uh, thoughtful about each other and what they mean to each other. What what's it been like working with her and uh, and this season in particular? Well, uh, Cindy and I are uh, Cindy and I are great friends, and we have a great time uh, working together. She is um, she's been uh, I, she's been the best co-star I've ever had. Uh, she's super fun to work with every day. Always has 
uh, always, always has a smile on her face and, uh, uh we just have the best time at, at work and I'm, I'm going to miss, uh, going to work with her every day. I got to be honest. We just, we have a, a great, great time, uh, yeah. at work. Um, she's, you know, cause she's also super talented, right? She's, uh, she has a, a, a great ability to, to, to just slide between uh, drama and comedy and she keeps everything, um, uh, really light, you know, she's, uh, she's incredibly talented lady. Um, and, and as far as, uh, Shade and Angie's, uh, relationship this year, yeah, they do. They, they, you know, they, I go, you know, Angie getting shot, they really forced the two of them to reassess their, their relationship and, mm-hmm. and what they, what they, how they feel about each other and what they, what they, what they want out of, out of, life and how they picture their how they picture their relationship and what it what it means um yeah and it and it you know and it it takes them uh, a while um but uh but i think uh i think i think i think it's you know eventually they eventually 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 what happened at the end of season four starts to have an effect on their relationship Mm -hmm. as the season drags on uh of course this is the final season but could, but could you see given that chemistry perhaps doing uh follow-up tv movies uh private eyes uh, uh certainly I, I i certainly could i i you know i uh like i said i i really uh i really like working with uh cindy so i would i would never turn down the opportunity to work with her again and you mentioned you know this lighthearted tone that the show has and i love that i think it's great it must be makes it more fun for you uh but do you think that hurts it? I think this morning they announced the Canadian Screen Award nominations, and goodness, I mean, I, I was looking for your show. What the hell? You know, it, 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 is it pay a price? Be, first of all, is it because it's so popular in Canada that uh, it doesn't get an award? You know, because I looked at the nominees, there was a bunch of what's this and uh, are they still on? And, and where's <laughs> Private Eyes, right? Right. Well, that's, you know, that's the Canadian Screen Awards, right? <laughs> right. You know. Right. Yeah. Well. Um, uh, yeah. I, I. I. I don't know. I mean. I mean. You know. But. But. The, that's the show that we set out to make. I mean, we wanted the show to be. Uh, to be a blue sky, uh, very aspirational. Uh, you know, uh, detective show that was. That was you know very lighthearted. You know, a little bit of you know little little bit of comedy, a little bit of action. A little bit of romance, a little bit of you know, just a, you know, like a that, that's what we set out to make, and I think that for us to abandon uh, the, uh, the the zeitgeist of our show in in quest of a of a CSA nomination, I think would be disingenuous. Well, the greatest award, anyway, Jason, would be to have your show in 186 territories. I would think, uh, right. Yeah. To make yeah. it a worldwide hit, uh, let's go. Listen, you've been very generous with your time. Just two last things I wanted to ask. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention 90210. There was a reunion show uh, a couple of years ago that was a lot of fun. Do you, uh, <laughs> you guys got back together. It was great, sensational news. Do you foresee uh, anything like that happening in the future? Is there any talk or plan of more uh, reunions? I don't think so i think i think we tried i think we tried to yeah. do something all of us together and i think that uh i think i think we did it 
And yeah. I think that maybe, uh, I think maybe that, I think maybe that was it. Right. Well, I, I think that's a wise, even like the Friends reunion special we just saw, which was fun for fans, I'm sure, but it did yeah. seem to put a full stop to things, didn't it? I think, I don't know if people really want to see the Friends running around, uh, you know, uh, at a certain point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh. yeah I know. And I, and I don't know, I, and I don't know how to, uh, you know, I, I don't know how it would work. Like, like you know, I know that I know that you know the, that that reboot that we did. I know that it left a lot of people unsatisfied because they were they they were you know they wanted us to go back and play Brandon and Kelly and Steve yeah, and yeah. but like who wants to see a fifty year old Brandon Walsh? <laughs> what, is he still working at the Peach Pit? Like I don't I don't know what it's gonna. I, well, well, there probably are people who want to see that, but I, I know what you mean. And I thought it was kind of brilliant that you guys, the way it was written to be the actors reuniting, I thought that was a clever yeah. change of pace because you threw a curveball that I think for critics anyway has made it interesting, right? Right. Well, that's that's what we you know we thought we thought we could like you know sort of like sort of break the mold a little bit and yeah. do something a little bit different and. I don't, I don't know. But then, but then I think, you know, I think ultimately I think that show didn't work because there was too many cooks, right? Yeah. Well, I think there wasn't, there wasn't one strong voice that was, that was guiding that show. I think there were just too many. There was no error in spelling. No, unfortunately. There, there you go. Uh, then finally, Jason, because you are such a, and there's a great, by the way, this history of sitcoms, not that you were involved much. And although you've directed sitcoms, you have been on sitcoms. Uh, but there's a great CNN series right now that looks at everything from I Love Lucy to the Big Bang Theory, yeah. and and it's fun to see that. But um, as a student of television as well as a professional, uh, do you have any favorite sitcom theme songs? Your all-time favorites, maybe over the years. What were some that might come to mind? Uh, well, you know, uh, you know, you know, you know, you know, I love my bare naked lady. So the Big right. Bang Theory. Uh, Theme song, of course, is a, is an all time favorite. That was kind of a money maker for uh, your buddy there, right? Holy oh yeah, stuff. yeah, like uh, yeah. yeah, that's like when Paul Anker wrote the theme to the Tonight Show. That was an annuity that just never stopped. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think the boys have done pretty well. <laughs> well, Big good choice. Yeah. Was was there one though from when maybe when you were a lad growing up in Vancouver? Uh, was there a series or a theme song that sticks in your mind that? Uh, uh, well, there was uh, Gilligan's Island theme song, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody knew all the words to that. There was the Happy Days theme song. Everybody knew the Laverne and Shirley theme song. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, those those theme songs were great because they told you the entire story of the series, didn't they? Yeah. There was a three hour tour. There were yeah. seven castaways, and uh, that's all you needed to know. So yeah. there you go. Uh, it, it, since you, uh, this is the final season, were you able to wrap up Private Eyes? Is there a finale that is a series ender, or did you not know at the time that you shot? That- no, we, we didn't know at the time we shot that this oh. was going to be the last season. So we didn't, wrap, we didn't wrap anything up. All kinds of loose ends hanging at the end of that last episode. I, I can't wait to see what the fans are, how the fans are going to react to the last episode. That kind of sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Well, I, you know. I don't know. We'll see. Canadian television, right? <laughs> okay. Well, listen, enjoy it, everybody. I'm sure whatever happens will be pretty cool. But uh, congratulations, folks. Uh, the, the series is back. It's on Global. 
and of course, what night is of the week is it on now, Jason? Uh, it's on. Uh, well, it's tonight, Wednesday nights, isn't it? No, it's on Thursday nights. Okay, it's on Thursday nights at nine o'clock. Okay. But it's on tonight, the seventh yeah. at nine thirty. You know, it's like like you said, Bill. It's um, you know, it's uh, you know, it's it's what we do on this show. Yeah, like Brandon Tarnock, guys like that back in the day would be spitting in their graves because you wouldn't you wouldn't jerk a show around like this when it's a hit. Yeah. But uh, congrats to you guys. It's just that resilient and entertaining. People find it no matter where it lands. Private eyes, tune in and enjoy. Jason Priestley is directing the first episode back and a lot of exciting ones to come. So really appreciate you taking the time, Jason. Uh, I know you're busy and promoting the show and everything, but... Best of luck to you, and I uh, hope to see you again in person one of these days. Thank you, Bill. Much appreciated. Take care. Express Express That's it for this episode of Brio TV, the podcast. Please follow and subscribe for all the info on future episodes. And remember, you can always catch up on TV news and reviews daily at Brio.tv. Thanks for listening. <laughs>